This is the third attempt. This time I'm just going to save it. I don't know why I just didn't save it later and saw if I could just edit it later or something like that. Um, But I'm going to try to do this again. Welcome to Black Cauldron Cafe. I am your host, Queen Tia. And we are here with our very first episode, which is Corona Bay and binge yes we're going to talk about the coronavirus not having a corona bay and all of the shows that i am currently binging and enjoying at this moment now i do have my table in front of me and on my table today i have the crystal that is rose court um rose court attracts love vibes and gives off love vibes um i really love this crystal this particular one i have is in a column shape a diamond column shape um, it was a gift from my friend of mine's. Um, I really love this. Um, I really love that he got this for me. Um, it was really thoughtful of him. I was burning a white candle earlier to clean the air. And I also was burning some sage to smudge the area as well and clean myself. I'm currently smoking a blunt used with my favorite hemp wraps, which is High Hemp. High Hemp is an organic wrap line and i really really enjoy this um it's really easy to use it doesn't dry out it does get dry but it is easily um saved so like you know just a little licking a little wetness and it'll come right back um it's really easy to use and every pack comes with a filter comb which i really love and a little um thing that a little poker Um, for you if you want to do it like a cone and just roll it and have it stick and then fill it up later you can do that or you can just roll it like a blunt which I do so I really enjoyed those wraps and I am smoking asteroid which is a sativa this is by the brand called cosmos it's a cosmos shake brand and um, I enjoy this Um, it gives me a nice little head high but not too much Um, I don't feel tired when I smoke this. Um, I don't really feel energetic at all either. Um, So it's just like a real mellow type of high. So yeah, let's get started. So I've been out of work now for almost three weeks. I work in the hospitality industry. So I saw this coronavirus start to take an effect on my work in, I want to say February, the beginning of February is when we started to have companies cancel trips for their employees. We started to have events canceled and we started to pay attention to different events that were canceling around the city that was adversely affecting us because the guests who were coming to stay at our property to attend these events was canceling because these events were closed. So I saw as our arrivals went from 120 new arrivals to, you know, 100 new arrivals to 70 to 60 to 50 to 30 to 10 to 1 to 3 or 4 or 1 on certain days. And so I went in to work my normal shift and they let me know that that was going to be my last shift 
um, until further notice. And so, like, I want to say a couple of days after that, I found out that they actually closed my property down um, until May 1st. So as far as I know, I'm going to be out of work until the 1st. And I'm not even sure if on the 1st, if the hotel does open, I'm not sure that that means that I get to go back to work right away. Like, I'm not sure, you know, how that's going to look. So I've just been in a house and I am single right now. So I haven't had any company or been spending time with anybody. I actually like it because, you know, it kind of gives me a controlled environment. I know who's been coming through my door. I know, um, which has just been me, me and my son. Um, the hardest part of this whole virus is has been being able to maintain a co-parenting relationship with my son's father, being able to make sure that we both are able to see him and that, you know, we, neither one of us has to go, you know, two months, you know, two months, almost three months without seeing our child because I know neither one of us wants that. So I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. Um, not having a bay hasn't really been hard for me. Um, I'm actually trying to, you know, refocus on myself, realign myself, recenter myself with what's important to me, reprioritizing myself. And I'm really starting to look at, you know, some of the issues that I have and really starting to accept them. And it's not like they're terrible things. It's just that, um, I was diagnosed with an SAS, SADS, SAD, which is just seasonal effectiveness disorder. It's just a fancy way of saying I get, you know, fan, I get depressed in the wintertime. The lack of vitamin D really, really affects my, my cognitive ability. It affects my ability to focus. It affects my ability to relate to other people and interact with other people. My work suffers from it. My relationships with people suffer from it. And my physical health suffers from it. Um, I have been prescribed some antidepressants before, but it was a real light dosage and I didn't really feel a difference. So I kind of just stopped taking them because like after, you know, taking them for two months, like I just really didn't see a big difference and I'm not going to continue to take some type of pharmaceutical drug in my body if it's not really having that grave of an impact on me. Um, but I do believe that this doctor gave me this brand and this dosage because I stressed my high level of concern about addiction and things like that. I come from a long line of substance abuse. So, you know, whether it be, you know, my grandmother, my great uncles, you know, my great grandfather, um, my mom, you know, I just, my dad, you know, a lot of my family member, if it's not drugs, it's just alcohol, you know, drinking. And so because of this, I just have a natural um, fear of narcotics, of pharmaceutical drugs. So I had some therapists suggest that I, I take Adderall, but I'm just so petrified of becoming one of these people who abuse it that I just refuse to take it. Um, but I'm starting to have to face that because um, it hasn't gotten better over the years. In fact, it's gotten a lot worse and much, much harder for me to maintain. And I think it's just because the more life I live, the more disappointments I experience, the more hardships I experience, 
the more mental and emotional toll it takes on me, which makes me more success makes me more susceptible to sinking into a depression. And so the winners and things like that is very hard for me, very hard for me. So I'm just coming to terms with that and really facing it down. So um, I really I don't have time for a bay. <laughs> Although I do have men who, you know, I talk to, there's always a guy in my inbox or texting me or or calling me or something. So I do have men that I'm talking to. I enjoy a conversation with the man, but I'm not at the moment having any company or having any men in my presence other than the one that I created. So... That's my Corona Bay. What's killing me is all these different memes that are talking about like how all these women are going to be pregnant and we're going to have Corona babies. I just find that hilarious because it's so true. Um, If you're stuck in a house and you're stuck in there with a man and y'all have some type of (laughs) chemistry, some type of sexual attraction, there is definitely gonna be a probability of a lot of babies being born nine months from now um I hope that you know everyone's happy about these babies because I want to see black families I want to see you know families being together I want to see you know kids being raised in happy and healthy homes I don't want to see too much Um, drama or discourse between people when it comes to having children so let's hope that everybody out here having rona babies is uh uh, excited about it okay we'll see though (laughs) we'll see um other than that i think i'm mostly concerned about you know, the future implications this is going to have, you know, and some of the conversations that we're having um, about how this situation is being used to roll back on certain civil liberties, um, certain human rights that are guaranteed to us by the federal government. Um, This epidemic is being used as a way to, you know, erode some of those things. Like, for instance, um, right now, Trump is, you know, pushing a motion forward that says that people who have been arrested, people who have been detained, you know, you have a right to a speedy trial. And right now the government cannot uphold that. They cannot provide people a speedy trial. So what should happen is these people should be released and then when we have the capacity to charge these these cases and to prosecute these cases we would go back and apprehend these criminals now that does mean that you know that does you know can put that can put society at risk um just because some of these some of these people are you know depending on what they're detained for it could go back out and commit these crimes these same crimes if we let them out again um it also means that we could lose some of them because if some of them who did commit these crimes decides to flee the country or decides to run well then now we would have to exhaust a lot more manpower to find them 
and retrieve them and bring them back for trial. Um, however, I don't think it's right that the government can just keep people indefinitely because um, we're unable to provide them a speedy trial. Our constitution does say that we have to do that. And if we are unable to, you know, even though, you know, we risk harming other people, even though we risk some of them getting away with it, we have to still uphold those standards because that's the only thing. Our belief that the, the law will be upheld, even though as a black woman, I understand that when it comes to us, the law is never upheld um, in most cases. But, you know, if it's not upheld, at least there's an opportunity for us to go back and sue and recoup that or for somebody to, you know, hold them accountable for that. At least that's still an option. And sometimes I understand that doesn't happen, but it is still an option. However, if this motion goes forward, I can understand if it's maybe, you know, rape, first degree rape or, you know, you know, child abuse or, you know, murder something first degree murder something like that i can understand however if it is um if it is something like a parking violation or you know unpaid parole violation or um you know violating curfew or you know getting into a fight at the bar or something like that people shouldn't be forced to remain in jail indefinitely until the courts can reconvene because we don't really know how long that is going to be and we definitely don't want a situation where people are being exposed to this virus and can't get treatment or being exposed to this virus and then not even getting adequate treatment because they are behind bars so um I hope that they, you know, do not move forward with that type of mindset. Hopefully that gets, you know, pushed back on and we're able to get some of these people out of jail who um, don't necessarily need to be in there. Excuse me. So like I said before, I know that letting all of these prisoners out um, or these people that we recently detained, letting them back out does pose a risk to the society um, as far as them repeating their crimes. And it does make it that much harder to prosecute, prosecute them later, excuse me, because we'll have to go and track them down, of course. Um, but I just think that that is the best option. Right now, while people's emotions are so high and people's trust in the government is slowly being eroded, and this is the first time that we've really allowed the government and the media, really, to have this much control over our day-to-day lives. And so I don't, I don't think it will go over well if we see the government start to abuse this really vulnerable state that we're in right now. And I would hate to see um, what that type of abuse or exploitation could lead to down the line um, if they do continue to move forward with um, this notion that um, people who are in jail currently while the government is at a full standstill should just remain there until the government is back up and running. I don't think that's fair to them. And um, I, it just would be a bad situation all the way around. 
Um, so moving on from there, my only other thing about this coronavirus, which is the last thing I'm going to say, is um, the economic portion of it. I'm really curious about how the market is going to withhold this this economy standing at a standstill. Um, I know that I had downloaded the Anchor app, um, the Acorn, no, not Acorn, uh, actually Robinhood. I downloaded the Robinhood app um, and I was looking at investing. I started looking at investing and um, purchasing shares. And I can tell you, I when I first downloaded that app, which was probably at the end of February, um, one of the stocks that was on there that I was paying close attention to was the Tesla stock. It happened to be one of the most, it was the one that cost the most for its shares that was on there. Um, at that time, it was about $900 and some change, 930, 940, somewhere around there for one share of Tesla stock. And within a week, I saw it go from $900 to about $600. So you know, there was a $300 drop in the cost of the Tesla shares. Um, so right now definitely is a great time to purchase stocks. If you don't know much about stocks, you know, one, one of the most basic things to know is to buy low and sell high. Um, pay attention to what you're buying though. Um, cause some of these industries, I don't think it's going to be able to weather the storm of this, um, virus and of the economy um, shutting down. I see a lot of corporations and a lot of organizations changing the way they do business going forward. I think a lot of companies are starting to realize that a lot of what their employees do can be done from the comfort of their employees' home and that a lot of their employees are still very effective and very productive, if not more productive, being at home than they are when they're in the office. And I think they're going to start looking at the numbers of how much they're spending on office space and how much they're spending on parking space and um, how much, you know, is costing to maintain these buildings and secure these buildings. And I think you're going to see a lot of companies start to realize that they could save a lot of money if they, you know, got rid of some of these office buildings and had their employees work from home. If they got rid of some of these office buildings and just invested in making sure that their employees had the computer systems at home with the per the correct security um, and firewall systems in place, I think um, that they would still save much more money than they would if they were paying for these office spaces and having their employees continue to come out to these office spaces. And another thing they don't have to worry about is, you know, people being late because people could just wake up and log right into their computers. I think it would also help deal with the issues around work and home life balance that a lot of people are starting to look for more. Um, more people are wanting careers that provide a more balanced life for them. And I think allowing your employees to work at home does give them more flexibility and more access to their families. Um, now parents, you know, can save money by not necessarily having to pay, you know, a thousand a month for daycare when they can, you know, pay a couple of hundred dollars for somebody to come and sit with their kid for a couple of hours, you know, eight, five or six, maybe even eight hours a day and them still be in the house and still be present and still be able to make sure that their child is safe and being treated fairly. It will relieve some of the anxiety about leaving your children alone with strangers and still give you the access to have your hands right there 
on your child and see what they're doing and how they're treating. And then, of course, when your kids get home from school, that gives you an opportunity to be right there and and be able to help them as soon as they get off the bus of school, help them with their homework and have dinner. And I think being able to work from home would just provide so many more people flexibility and um, and being able to be there for their family. So I can definitely see um, some companies and organizations moving from office buildings to um, having their employees work at home. And one of them that pops in my mind off top is um, Jared Kushner. Um, Netflix did this great, has this great documentary series. I think it's called Bad Money. Um, and it's really just about all the shysty and legal practices in the business, in the financial industry, in the real estate industry, and the oil industry and it just shows some of the shady practices and some of the you know terrible ways that people have taken advantage of the system or manipulated people or taken advantage of people and they had an interview or they had an episode that was dedicated to Jared Kushner if you don't know who Jared Kushner is right now he serves as one of Trump's top advisors and he is married to Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump. And in this Netflix docuseries, they talk about one of the office spaces that the Kushner family owns, which is um, 666. I don't remember like what street it is. I just know that it was like the, the building was just called, you know, 666. So most people know that 666 is um, a building owned by the Kushner family. However, it is expensive and it is costing them so much money to keep the building they've been trying to sell this property um, for quite some time and they've been unable to sell it and they've been unable to rent out majority of the spaces in the building so um, allegedly they've been losing a lot of money and trying to find someone to purchase them or buy them out from owning this office space because it's ultimately costing them so much um, monthly and in the long run. So that's just an example. If you watch that docuseries on Netflix, it is great. They did an episode about Wells Fargo. As a former Wells Fargo employee, I'm definitely going to um, do an episode about that um, because I do want to go into what it was like to work for Wells Fargo. Um, but definitely watch that episode about Jared Kushner. It is really well done. Um, it, it, it talks about that building, that office space, but it also talks about a lot of the other shady practices that Jared Kushner and the Kushner family have done over the years. It talks about Jared Kushner's father, who spent some time in the federal penitentiary for blackmailing and um, sexual exploitation of other people. Um, and then it also shows how, you know, a lot of low-income housing and a lot of subsidized units are owned by the Kushner family and the way the Kushner family keep these properties, you know, run down, rugged. They don't, you know, renovate them. They don't fix them. And then as soon as these people don't pay the rent, they evict them or they charge them with all kinds of fees. And yet they refuse to send out anybody to fix the issues that's in the house, fix the water cooler, fix the wall, fix anything. So these people are living in horrid conditions and still being forced to pay, you know, outstanding amounts for Rent And it also talks about how Krishner Properties is known for, you know, doing horrible things to force tenants out of the properties, you know, drilling holes into their 
homes and refusing to replace it, cutting the electric off to one unit and refusing to get it fixed. Um, just a lot of crazy stuff. I, I might do an episode about that too, about real estate or just about mortgages in, in general. There's a lot of misconceptions about um, mortgage and real estate. A lot of people think they know and, and, and they really don't. Um, so yeah, if you have a chance to check that out, definitely do. So, um, back to what I was originally saying, I think that we're going to see certain industries collapse after this coronavirus. We're going to see some organizations and some companies move away from owning office buildings. And, um, you're going to have protests against it, of course, because a lot of, um, real estate investors, you know, make a lot of money off of office building rent. So if companies start to divest from renting offices and having employees stay at home, ultimately these real estate moguls are going to be the ones who are hurt from it. And so you are going to hear some protests about it. But I think in the long run, once some companies spin it as being more green because, you know, that's less commute for their employees to and from work. Um, it provides a better work-home life balance. Um, they're probably going to be able to provide more vacation time or do pay raises because they're going to be saving money. At least that's what we expect to happen if they, you know, diverge from office building. I expect that people are going to, their employees are going to see some of these profits that they're now saving. But we know how these corporations work, so we will see what happens. On to the next subject, shall we? So in pop culture today... Let me just say, um, I got online and I've been seeing all of this stuff about Yaya, um, Ayana Mayweather, Floor Mayweather's daughter, you know, stabbing some woman who's pregnant with NBA Youngboy's child and how this woman is in critical condition. And seeing Yaya on that live with NBA Youngboy last night and how she looked, she did not look okay. She looked stressed. She looked worried, and I know she just woke up, or maybe she, maybe she had just woke up, but she looked worried. She looked stressed. Like, when he woke her up, she didn't know what the hell she was being woke up for. She thought the police was there for her or something. I don't even fucking know. She thought, like, oh, this is it. They're going to take me. I am just, I'm just so, so sad to see this young girl living her life like this. I'm so sad to see this young man living his life like this. Um, It doesn't look good on either one of them. It doesn't look good that she allowed herself to get into this type of position where, you know, she feels like her only way of reacting is with violence, is with stabbing this girl. Even though, you know, NBA Youngboy has made it perfectly clear that the woman who is carrying his child is the woman that he loves. He can call Yaya his wife all he wants to, but at the end of the day, you know, he said that Jada is who he wants to be with, and I don't even know these people, and I ain't even familiar with their stories. I don't even really listen to none of their music or none of that. I just know watching this shit online is, you know, breaking my heart. It it hurts me to see my people going through this type of stuff because whether they want to acknowledge it, I know it hurts. I know she's hurting. And this woman is in critical condition. You know, we have two black lives hanging in a balance. We have the life of this black woman and this child that she's carrying. You know, this black mother is fighting for her life right now. And 
to be stabbed because, you know, some girl is upset that, you know, the guy she wants is still in love with her and still has her pregnant is just ridiculous. Like, what kind of self-esteem does this young girl have that she thinks that envy a young boy is the man that's worth fighting for? And, you know, I'm not trying to say that as a knock or a slight to NBA young boy. I don't know this young man, this young black king. I don't know him. I hope that um, he's doing well and that he prospers. But clearly, he is not for her and she is not for him. Any man that you're in a relationship that with that puts you in a position where you feel like you constantly have to fight someone for him is not a man who's for you. He's letting you know where you where he stands when it comes to you. And the only reason he still has you around is because you still choose to be there. Um, and it makes me sad because she's a beautiful young girl. And there's so many other talented and handsome and attractive um, artists out there and she could have easily you leveraged her last name to get her into some rooms and into some spaces around some men who really have their shit together and really have money. She could be Lori Harvey out here, but instead she is Alexa Sky, I guess. <laughs> Oh, I I pray. I don't pray. So I was going to say I pray, but I don't. Um, So I'll ask the ancestors to be with her. I'll ask the ancestors to watch over her. Um, Ask the ancestors to lend her her, their strength as this young black woman fights for her life and fights for the life of her unborn child. And um, hopefully, if I was Floyd Mayweather, I'd be at NBA Young Boys Doe dragging my fucking daughter up up out of there like bitch you gonna come with me now i don't give a fuck about no nba young boy i don't give a fuck about none of his niggas up in here you are my daughter and i'm responsible for you so i'm gonna drag your ass up out of here and you ain't talking to him until after this shit is done after this trial after all that shit is done that's when I'm talking, that's when, you know, even after that, you can't fucking talk to him. Right now, the only fucking person you talking to is your motherfucking lawyer. You ain't talking to nobody. Don't you be on live. Don't you be on Vines. Don't you be talking to your mama. Don't you be doing, don't be talking to no radios, no blogs, no nothing. You need to zip it shut. I don't even know why she right now around NBA young boy, because the fact that I don't know how much he corroborated with the police. I don't know if he corroborated with the police, but honestly, like, what the fuck is he going to do if the judge and the police and everybody arrest him or somebody asks him for footage or for evidence that, you know, directly links you to stabbing this young girl? What if this young girl dies? Like, that's a murder trial. Like, that's a murder trial, okay? And who who going to take the fall for you? You think NBA Young Boy going to take the fall for you? Nah, that nigga ain't gonna take the fall for you, girl. You gonna have to take the fall for yourself. So, the fact that she there, she need to be up under a lawyer. That's what she need to be doing. She need to be up under her daddy, making sure that he gonna help her pay for a lawyer to help her fight this trial and beat this case. Otherwise, things is not looking good for this young girl. Um, May the ancestors be with her, because things is not looking good for her. Um right now 
um i saw this whole thing with ari lennox let's talk about that ari lennox and snoop where ari was buying a lace front rig man i tell you i think about buying a lace front rig all the time but i'm lazy as fuck and um i don't do my hair already so imagine me trying to put a wig on like and i don't do my hair now (laughs) so i pretty much just keep my shit natural or i just go ahead and pay and get it braided um, but all about wearing a lace front rig, nah, I ain't finna, I can't finna, I ain't finna do all that, but it was fun seeing her, like, try to put it on, and how she was struggling to put it on, and it was really funny, and, um, I do worry about Ari, I understand, like, you know, she is an artist, and a lot of times artists have to reinvent themselves every album, or, you know, present themselves in a way, a reimagined way, for the public you know for society if you look at Beyonce she always tends to try to one up or you know switch up her style for each album um, that she puts out and if you look at like as far as in the rap industry you look at you know Nicki Minaj and her various personalities Little Kim and her various personalities Meg Thee Stallion now is on that same ways where she's coming out with you know Tina and Sugar and you know she has um Hot Girl Meg you know all these various different you know ways that she's been reinventing herself for each mixtape for each album or each EP so um I'm just wondering if she can do the same thing and I feel like part of the the thing where her putting on that lace front wig was a part of that just trying to reinvent herself um and I hope that you know it doesn't have anything to do with the society's pressures on her to make her look a certain type of way I really hope that she has a support system around her that is going to help her you know stay confident and continue to see herself for her true beauty and not see herself through the eyes of society or see herself in a way that society says she should look or says she should be so I hope that she's able to push through this but I do want to say this to Snoop and to other black men like shut your fucking mouth about how we do our hair like shut the fuck up about our looks like we're tired of everybody got having something to say about how we look at how we dress like mind y'all fucking business like if my pussy ain't in your mouth don't be concerned about how I'm doing my hair, what clothes I'm wearing, where I'm going. Like, like it ain't none of your business. Like, how you gonna be checking me on how I look from halfway the fucking cost of the country? Like, you don't even know me. Like, you don't even know me. And from the look, from the you know look of it, you don't even fucking listen to my music. But you want to sit here and try to critique the way I look from across the country, nigga? No, mind your business. So. That's what I'm saying, and that's what black women are saying to every fucking body. Um, don't talk about our hair. Don't fucking touch our hair. Don't judge the way we dress. Don't judge the way we talk. Um, especially don't judge the way we dress if you don't even, or don't judge our hair. Don't talk about our hair if you ain't never even been seen dating a woman with natural hair. Like, 
And when I say natural hair, I don't mean, yeah, my hair is natural, but I get it blow dried and and flat ironed, bone straight or relaxed every other month. No, not that. I'm saying I let my hair grow the way it comes out of my head and I don't do anything to process it or change its texture or any of those things. I accept it for how it is. So um, if you don't date them type of women, I don't want to hear you talk about how my hair is. Like, I don't want to hear it. So just shut up. Um, was there anything else? I think that was pretty much it that happened in the news. Um, or in the, in as far as pop culture, that whole young NBA. Oh well, I did watch that. You know, Kim Kardashian and Courtney fight, which was crazy because yeah, Courtney was whooping Kim's ass. But it didn't surprise me now when I found out that Courtney's the oldest because I'm the oldest. And it's like, yeah, I'm the oldest. Like, I can't let you, my little sister, beat you. I used to change your diaper. Like, you're not going to come over here and try to, like, beat me. Like, no. And it and it does seem as if Courtney is very tired of the show. And I don't watch this show, so I've only seen little snippets and clips. So I, I really can't base an opinion on how they treat her now that I think about it. I'm only going to talk about that fight. And in that fight, like, Courtney was giving her the business. Like, I couldn't believe how hard she smacked Kim. Like, the fact that Kim's face bounced off that wall and left that chunk of makeup right there. My gosh, I about died watching that but you know sisters fight you know sisters fight all the time she my sister just got in a huge fight like a few months ago (laughs) a huge fight and it, it didn't turn physical but it was big enough it was a huge thing so you know family fights and that's how it is hopefully they are able to um get over this and find some common ground and begin to rebuild their relationship as sisters i, I do know it's going to take some time and some work on both their parts but hopefully they get there um i'm not a huge like i said i don't watch the show so that's all i got to say on that other than that i think that was all that really happened this week um so now we're going to go ahead and get into the tv show segment Because I've been binging a whole lot of TV shows since this virus has happened. I mean, I don't have anything else to do, really. Well, I just started this podcast, so yay me. But other than that, I've just been in the house. So one of the shows that I just finished watching today was Legacy. Um, Season 2 of Legacy premiered, I think, on Friday. And Legacy is basically a spinoff of the show Originals and the show Vampire Diaries. Um, This is about Hope Michelson, which is the daughter of Klaus Michelson and her mom, whose name I can't remember right now. Anyway, she is a hybrid a super witch a wolf and a vampire a wolf a vampire and a witch and basically she is you know living her life and in school and it's just going over everything that's happening there she lives at a school that's for just for witches vampires and any special creatures um to have a safe place to be protected from the world and I really enjoyed this show for one, for you know, several different reasons. For one, the storyline is really good. I love the way they've begun to incorporate all types of different mythologies and um, cultures 
from all across the world they're bringing in all these different monsters and mythical creatures from all of these different cultures around the world i really really enjoy that part of the show i also really like um the how diverse the cast is um and it, it it doesn't feel forced you know sometimes as a black woman i watch some shows and you can just tell when a character is just like a token black character like when there's one black person on the show and they just have to be like the goofy funny one who's always making everybody laugh you know come in doing something funny and it's always the one who can sing and everybody's like Ooh, you know and so it's always just very gimmicky um and very tokenish so i really appreciate that this show is diverse and it doesn't feel like these characters are like token characters it doesn't feel like these roles were like written with oh this will be the black character and this will be the latin character and this will be the asian character it doesn't feel like that it feels like these are just character one two and three and these are the people who so happen to get these um, characters. Now, I could be wrong. I haven't read up on the show. Maybe the, you know, writers, show writers had this in mind, but it definitely doesn't feel that way. Um, I love two of the vampires on the show. I believe one of their name is Travis, but I'm sure the other one's name is MG. So MG and Travis, and they're both vampires. And MG is a ripper. If you don't know what a ripper is, it just means that, you know, one drop of blood and you will go on a frenzy you know one drop of blood he can't he can't stop like he'll just continue to feed and feed and feed and feed and feed until he kills a person and then he's on to the next person until he kills that person and on and on and on until you know 100 200 people later and then finally they're somehow able to stop themselves from feeding and so seeing travis support mg through his struggle with controlling his impulses and controlling his thirst and his impulse to kill has really been beautiful it shows a, a bond and a level of uh, community between two black men that we rarely get to see on tv um, a lot of times on tv shows where there's two black characters one of the characters die um, one of the characters die or wind up in jail or there's some like tragic beef that happens that stops them from being friends and then they later on have to confront each other and so that's a lot of the time how the relationship or the dynamic between black men is portrayed on screen when it comes to a friend capacity other than that they're black men are always pitted against each other and so to see these two black men supporting each other and uplifting each other as they're learning and growing and teaching themselves self-control and impulse control is really beautiful for me um, to see and I really enjoy seeing it. I also enjoy the fact that although this is a school that is predominantly white they still make it a point to have the black male characters in the show date and show romantic interests in black women and not just um fair-skinned or you know exotic looking black women but you know deep brown and a dark deep brown skin and natural dark hair and dark brown eye beautiful chocolate black girls on the show and these black men are showing you know attractions and having these women as love interests as well as still showing attraction to you know the white women or the asian women you know so it shows each various types 
type of woman getting attention acknowledgement and love from all races and it shows that same thing happening for black men and black women and asian women and white women and white men and asian men well not necessarily asian men i don't think i've seen an asian guy on there yeah well i have there has been asian guys they just have they're not going to the school they've just been like adults um anyways I really enjoy that because that's how it is in real life for me. For me, I, I mean, I get hit on by black men, but I get hit on by white men. I get hit on by Latin men. I get hit on by Asian men. You know, I've, I've been hit on from men from various different countries um, and all ethnic backgrounds. So I like to see that represented in the show in the experience that the black girls are having on the show as well as the young black guys so i really appreciate that um another thing i really like is that the werewolf on the show is a black man like if you've watched the show um if you watched any of the previous seasons you know that werewolves tends to have anger issues um because of the heightened pain that they experience during their transition it just makes their temper um you know really short so they're more likely to respond with rage with rage excuse me with rage i was going to say aggression and then i was going to say rage and so it came out with rage <laughs> but um they tend to act out with more rage and aggression in situations that don't necessarily require that much aggression and so we saw this a lot in vampire diaries when it came to tyler um tyler's character in vampire diaries if you remember tyler was caroline's boyfriend and he was a white guy who was aware was a was a werewolf and he had anger issues and would get into lots of fights and after they figured out that he was a werewolf you know they started to understand and he started to understand and he started to learn how to control it and his friends started to learn how to help him cope and learn how to support him while he was having, you know, his moments where he was getting extra aggressive or, you know, extra angry. And so now we're fast forward and now we have this character and it's played by a black man. I really enjoy seeing it because most of the main characters in the show still are white. And so now we have to watch as these white people are dealing with this teenage wolf who is acting out in situations with aggression that don't necessarily require aggression and is requiring his friends to act with some level of compassion and empathy for him it's having them take a moment to consider all that he is going through as he is a werewolf before they just respond with fear or with retaliation you know they ask him for some they ask him what he needs or they you know back off and give him some time to cool off and they really use these different tactics to support him in his moments of anger which give him the time to cool off and then later come back and apologize and this level of empathy and compassion is just a level that black men don't really get to experience in real life and I'm not saying all of them and all the time you know but there's just some black men in our community who just never got the experience of someone looking at them with compassion and looking at them with empathy and not seeing them as a problem or seeing them as combative or seeing them as aggressive 
um, not just black men, black women included, you know, this just made me think of the story I saw in the news in Florida where a six-year-old girl is throwing a temper tantrum in school. You know, she didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, so she was very cranky and she was crying and throwing a temper tantrum. And the school response was to call the police and have the police arrest her. And they were arresting her because she wasn't listening, because she wasn't behaving. And it never, it never occurred to any of them to ask her, you know, would she like to take a nap, you know, or to try to get her to take a nap. It never occurred to them to ask for some medical help or to seek some support from her mother. They just jumped straight to calling the police because instead of seeing her with compassion and empathy, they saw her as some aggressive, misbehaving child who needed to be punished and needed to be put in line and not someone who was crying for help. So seeing a black person treated with that level of empathy is really beautiful in the sense that I think it shows people how they should be. Um, I'm hoping that's what people are taking away from it versus seeing it and thinking, oh, this is how it is in real life. Because no, in real life, he's not a werewolf. So in real life, that is not how things would happen. That is how things should be, but that's not how they are. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed that. Um, I also enjoy that, um, again, I, I just really appreciate how diverse the cast is. I'm a person who's big into fantasy and love sci-fi. Um, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. I love The Hobbits, despite, you know, all the reviews of it. I do love those movies. Um, you know, I ain't gonna lie. The last movie I, I was not a fan of. I did not like the fact that, you know, spoiler alert, I didn't like the fact that we spent all this time getting up to the mountain to see this dragon and the dragon was in the movie for like 10 minutes. Like, I expected to see more of the dragon. I did not like that everybody died. <laughs> that made me upset. Uh, I didn't like, I mean, although the female elf was cool, I didn't really like that they just kind of added her in there just just because just because there has to be some type of love interest in a movie i hate that um the book there is nothing like that the book is just some guys on a you know cross-country trip and i would have much rather it stay that way than for it to be that i hate when they just throw a girl into a story for no other purpose than to serve as a love interest for some man I hate that. So um, I do understand the complaints about the Hobbits and, and Lord of the Rings and, and all that. But one of my biggest complaints about those movies is the fact that everybody in them is white. All the elves are white. All the dwarves are white. All the humans are white. You know, the darkest thing in there are the orgs and the goblins. And they're the bad guys. So I really enjoy the fact that on this show, all of the different mythical creatures, not every last one of them are white. And not only just the African, the, you know, the black ones. Those ones are the black ones or the Asian ones are the Asian ones. I like the fact that all of the... Um, creatures are coming in all types of races and size like the last episode I, that stands out to me is the episode um that was called cupid and we thought that what we were dealing with was cupid and he was black and i really enjoyed that he was very handsome very tall and he gave me a lot of prince vibes because he you know moved and gave off like an infinite energy but was still very masculine and heterosexual presenting like you couldn't really tell like is he gay isn't he gay like you just couldn't tell it but 
one thing you could tell is that he was very attractive and he was very handsome. And that's a lot of the ways that I felt about Prince. So whenever I encounter that in a man, I always call that Prince vibes because he Prince gave off a, you know, is he gay? Isn't he gay? Is he bi? Mm, I don't know. But he was very hetero presenting but he still maintained air masculinity and you know always was seen with very attractive women and you always assumed as a woman that sex with prince was gonna be bomb like i know i'm not the only woman who was thinking like you know sex probably is on point <laughs> with with prince okay And so, um, that's what I, that's the vibe I got from this character that they had presented as Cupid just to find out that it wasn't Cupid. It was Plathos, which was like, dang, I need to go back and revisit the Greek gods because I didn't even realize there were seven Greek gods of love. Um, Cupid was, is the only one I know thanks to Hollywood. Um, but I'm definitely going to go back and look into that. So I enjoyed that they, they didn't have to make him black. But they did, and I I really appreciated that they made Medusa black, and her snakes were, when she wasn't using her snakes, they were dreads, and I thought that was dope, because that's what everybody always thought about Medusa. As far as black people, we always speculated that Medusa was, you know, black. They say that Medusa was the most beautiful woman in the world. Once upon a time, according to Greek history, African women were considered the most beautiful woman in the world, and with snake-like hair we could have our dreads which would look snake-like or just having our individual braids which would also look snake-like so and the ability to turn men into stone well you know you look at how dark some african women and men are some of them are sometimes as black as stone so it's very possible that because she was that dark they you know transposed that into her being able to turn people into stone so when they made medusa black in this show i, I really really loved that um so yeah that is my you know really quick review oh and I didn't like how this season ended because it ended the way the the first season ended so the first season of Legacy ended with Hope falling into a, a vat of like black gelatinous goo and Landon being knocked out and us not knowing whether she survived this or whether he survived it was this it were they gonna come back we didn't know and here we are on the season finale of season two and Landon is stabbed. Is he dead? Is he in a coma? We don't know. Hope is knocked out. Is she dead? Is she in a coma? We don't know. We know that they just both are not awoke. And I really do not like that at all. So, um, I guess we got to wait for next season. Um, yeah. So, where else is there? Um, I guess this is where I'm going to end it out for now. I will try to put a podcast out every Monday and every Wednesday. And maybe every Friday, depending on how this goes. Um, This was my... Um, first time recording and publishing my podcast. This was my fourth recording of my podcast and I ultimately had to do it in two parts 
because the videos just they just the recordings just kept deleting themselves it was so frustrating um but now i think i figured it out and i've worked out the glitches and so yeah i'm super excited to be able to bring this podcast to you i apologize for the sound quality and i apologize um that it's not you know nice and neat and edited and everything like that but as this podcast grows as i do it more i will get better i will add more features i will get better sound i will get better equipment and i will continue to grow and brand this business or show or I don't know. (laughs) Well, thanks again for listening. Please, please, please subscribe to my channel. Rate this show. Let me know. Leave any comments, um, any messages. Let me know what you think. Um, Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram. You can find me at QueenTia26. That's at Q-U-E-E-N-T-I-A 26. Um, you can also find me on YouTube at Talk Queen Tia. And um, Talk with Queen Tia, you can find me on YouTube. And um, remember that this is the age of Aquarius. And all those who have historically been on the bottom shall now rise and overthrow the top. So keep your head up and I will see you guys next time.